0: You are listening to Lockdown, a security and technology podcast brought to you by Voxiferi Broadcasting. Subscribe now to this and other Voxiferi shows via your podcast client of choice. Lockdown, a security podcast from Red Hat. Recorded at Cloud Security Expo 2016. Sitting here in London at Cloud Security Expo, sitting opposite me today is David Cass, who is Chief Security Officer at IBM.
1: I'm the Chief Security Officer for the Cloud and SaaS operations for IBM.
0: You're over here in Europe. Um, do you find that the climate here, I'm not talking about the weather climate, but the security climate is the same as North America?
1: So I'd say it really depends on the industry. Uh, I'd say some of the industries uh, in Europe, I'd say, are on, on par with the expectations, and I'd say other industries you know, are coming up you know, where they're raising the, the bar of security expectations.
0: When we talk about governance here in Europe, we're, we're met not just with the standard PCI DSS, with ISO standards. We also have international governance around sovereign state data in the u.s things are very different and we've had uh you know changes in statute here in in europe and how we deal with america with with regards to data do you think people actually understand the importance of governance
1: so i think the importance is becoming more evident every day and I think it requires more planning and thought by organizations. I know we spend a lot of time looking at that and looking at how you know changes that are coming like GDPR and other things have the potential for impacting our organization and how we work with our customers.
0: And taking that into account, do you think when organizations think about what they need to spend on, on IT security, do you think those budgets are increasing?
1: So I'd say it depends. I mean, right now, the, the overall IT security... I'd say environment, I've seen that, you know, there's more jobs out there than we have qualified people to fill them. And I'd say more and more organizations see the need. I think it really depends upon the organization's strategy as far as, you know, are they operating on-prem, are they operating in cloud?
0: You've been able to get to market with things like Bloomix and other technologies which have enabled customers to start provisioning those enterprise workloads. Are you starting to see it ramp up?
1: So I'd say Bluemix is definitely starting to ramp up. You know, things that we're looking at is you know, we have the three different deployment models there so we can work with regulated and you know, less regulated industries as well to kind of find the, the model that suits you know, the, the industry that they're in. But we're seeing you know, more and more uh, uptake of cloud environments right now.
0: We've got a panel coming up in about half an hour, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to throw you any curveballs in front of a, a, an audience of invited guests. But I do think we've got a position to both educate as well as entertain as we move on and you know, people start moving across multiple heterogeneous cloud providers, because they're not just going to have one cloud. They're not just going to go to Amazon with a credit card. Do you think the CISO really understands the whole facets of what he's taking on?
1: So I'd say in some cases, yes. Other organizations, you know, we spend a lot of time working with our peer CISOs and colleagues on educating. Because I think more and more as you move into the cloud, it's really about that shared responsibility model. And that's really understanding then, you know, are you provisioning bare metal? You know, from uh, infrastructure as a service, are you provisioning PaaS or are you provisioning SaaS? So you can really have a, a good understanding of the shared responsibility model. So you understand, you know, what controls I'm responsible as a service provider for, as well as what controls you need to make sure you're instrumenting. So as the data controller, you you have good visibility into your organization.
0: But does a cloud provider become, is a, you know, essentially if they're looking after your database in Europe? We have, you know, the concept of shared responsibility. It's very hard when you know, a CISO is faced with a service-level agreement, isn't
1: it? So that is a challenge, and I think more and more we're looking at it, you know, depending on like, when you look at the, the work you know, that's been done by the FCA, where they're becoming more and more accepting of the use of cloud. Uh, it's a lot of time you know, working with our peers in financial services to figure out, so in addition to the standard SOC 2 that everybody provides, what are the additional things that we should be doing that will provide you the additional level of comfort to indicate that our controls are functioning uh, in a manner that they should be?
0: We're going to be talking a little bit about identity access management. And, of course, people listen to this podcast, 99% of them aren't here on the show floor. Talk to me about how identity access management potentially is so beneficial to how we do the provisioning and the safe journey to cloud.
1: So I think that goes back to your earlier point where it's no longer an expectation of being in just one cloud. And when you look at the IT environment as a whole, IT is really becoming you know, a federation of tools that are put together to become your virtual data center. So more so than ever, you know, how you provision and deprovision, you know, you could be in three different clouds. You want to make sure that you're making, you know, that you're able to deprovision you know, in a timely manner.
0: Do you think people understand when we talk about life cycle of cloud, do you think they understand the whole repudiation of data? It's It really is from provisioning to the grave, isn't it? it
1: well, exactly. And I think, you know, a lot of it is education on our part, and the other thing is really making sure that there's good discipline put into application development, because now that you're moving into the cloud, you really have to put more focus on how do you protect the application, how do you protect the data, no matter where it lives. You have to assume that it's going to be transiting somewhere outside of your cloud as well.
0: I think Red Hat and IBM sometimes face the same problem and must try and skin it the same way. You know, We work with customers who are working with developers who you know 10 years ago were in the back office producing databases now they're rock stars sitting on the board you know as part and parcel of the progression of organizations and they're building applications using the latest version of ruby and python etc latest bleeding edge builds from the night before do you find trying to curtail that ambition so they can use stable supported versions in bluemix a challenge
1: so i mean again you want to basically be an enabler for the organizations. I think the, the key focus there is no matter what language you're developing in, is working with the developers to make sure that they have some understanding of secure coding and what the expectations are around secure coding. Because, again, you know, I have a development background as well. It's, you don't come up in school learning how to you know, code securely. You come up learning how to code, deliver product, get it out. So it's really, you know, we take it on us as part of our secure engineering to make sure we're providing our developers with, with education in that space of how do you code securely.
0: Gartner have come up with this term of cloud access service providers, these CASBs, which um it's it's a nice concept in in theory, and we'll start to see some movement and, and and some and proliferation of those starting to appear. Do you think there is a place in the cloud for those trusted service providers and those trusted enablers such as you know the IBMs and the Red Hats, in order to try and you know ne necess- necessitate why companies are able to think about 365-day workloads in cloud, not just tickling it for nine days, four hours, 27 seconds.
1: So so Casby definitely has a, a place in life right now, and how that evolves remains to be seen. But I think it goes back to the fundamentals if you're going into the cloud to really have a plan. Because, you know, sometimes CASBs are used as a shim after the fact that you're already sure. in there, and then you realize that, you know, I need to put additional controls in the environment. So they're being put in as an afterthought. I think part of it is, you know, if you have a roadmap to the cloud of what your key uh, security characteristics and requirements are, that you can have better Are you addressing it with your IAM, or do you need a CASB to provide the additional functionality, or are you using different forms of encryption that you're managing? So I think in some cases, you can do without the CASB, but I I think you you need to have a solid plan of how you're going into the hybrid cloud or how you're migrating into the cloud in general, and that'll kind of give you the the indications of, okay, maybe we do need a a CASB for additional policy enforcement.
0: U.S. government, European governments are very nervous about encryption. They're trying to... Necessate change in key management decisions and potential backdoors in devices, et cetera. Do you think we've got a role a responsibility to try and ensure they, they do this in the most educated manner possible?
1: So I- encryption is really necessary. When you're, you're talking about you're dealing in a cloud environments, so you're dealing in essentially now more and more everybody is dealing in untrusted environments. So encryption is one of the, you know, almost table stakes now uh, as far as if you're on the Internet, if you're doing any kind of processing or if you're involved in financial services. So it really is important, and there's always going to be zero-day vulnerabilities. There's always going to be hacks. Uh, So, again, part of it is being prepared. But I think, you know, encryption is one of those necessary things it needs to involve because, again, you know, it's protecting part of the financial services system it's protecting part of the health system you know there's so many areas where it's required and in general for protecting privacy as well
0: it's great that the whole CNAP thing has come out of the U.S. administration you know three billion dollars next year 17 billion dollars the year after it's great that you know we are going to be able to be in a position where government is going to be involved with advising
1: So, I mean, it's always a challenge. It's always good to see, you know, government being progressive, coming out with more and more frameworks because, you know, we know historically, you know, legislation is always years behind technology in general. Uh, So it's always good to see the involvement as long as, you know, they're taking feedback from industry and partnering. I I think that's the key thing to make sure that, you know, it's not done in a silo where somebody's putting this out without, you know, seeking industry feedback and, and partnering.
0: I saw the salary for the advertised role was like one hundred and
1: sixty-eight thousand dollars. Oh no, I, I didn't see the salary for the role. But <laughs> again, it's it's challenging. Anytime you have to be that interface between you know government and industry, I think there's so much to be done. And you know, working through anything that involves you know the legislative process always takes a lot more time than it takes for technology to evolve.
0: But at least they're admitting there is an issue and that something needs to happen to try and solve that.
1: And uh, that's correct. Now I definitely think that there is a place for that.
0: David, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks for making time.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Subscribe with iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast client now for more shows in our back catalog.